HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Monday, December 3rd, is our annual gala, Winter in the Garden, and you are invited. Celebrate the season with Heritage Radio Network at the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. It's the one night of the year where you can show your support for HRN while sipping on champagne, hanging out with our hosts, and bidding on one-of-a-kind silent auction items. VIP hour goes from 6 to 7, featuring a tour of the Bonsai Room. At 7, all of our guests can sample bites from some of our favorite chefs. Head to heritageradionetwork.org slash gala for tickets. This program is brought to you by Juul, sous vide by Chef Steps. Juul takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, November 28, 2018. This is the 198th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the food and drinks editor at a major national men's lifestyle magazine. And their best new restaurants in America list came out today, and we will talk about all of that in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a list person. Love them or hate them, but let's face it, lists are practical. Creating lists is good for organization, both personally and professionally. And seeing things in writing can help paint a clear picture and bring clarity to what you want to accomplish or what you already have. So make lists and check them twice, as lists are in. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really happy to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is Jeff Gordonaire, the food and drinks editor for Esquire, which revealed its best new restaurants in America 2018 today. Raised in Southern California, Jeff has had bylines in national magazines and newspapers for over 25 years. He was a full-time writer for the New York Times for, over, for five and a half years and a frequent contributor to its tea magazine, book review, styles, and travel sections. He spent eight years as the editor-in-large at Details, and before that, he was at Entertainment Weekly. He's currently working on Hungry, a nonfiction book, with Rene Renzeppi, the acclaimed chef at Noma in Copenhagen. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for that wind-up. That was very <laughs> generous. Very generous. You've accomplished a lot, and I actually cut out a whole paragraph. You can read it now if you want. <laughs> no, that's okay. I guess it doesn't always feel that way. It sort of feels like you're, you're always running and racing, but uh, yeah, that sounded good. Oh, good. My parents should be proud. I think they should. I, I mean, I'm impressed, uh, and I'm, I'm very impressed. So I want to know, how did you get into writing and food writing, and did you did you study journalism? Did you set, always want to want to be a writer? I think I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid, and I was reading a lot of sci-fi, like Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov and people like that. And then eventually when I went to college, I uh, 
um, I worked for the school newspaper, and I were I was like the arts editor there, and I uh, I was I was studying poetry and fiction. I thought I would do poetry and or fiction, but then I took a writing class with Sean McPhee from the New Yorker, who's played a pivotal role in the careers of a lot of writers, and it suddenly dawned on me via John that there was this incredible delight and beauty in writing about other people. Like I I wasn't really I had less and less interest in telling my own story, and I found it um, super energizing to be able to write about people I meet, mostly creative people, like songwriters, singers, filmmakers, poets, and now chefs. So um, that was a real turning point. And then I worked at newspapers for a long time. My first job was as a city hall reporter, political reporter in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, and I was a rock and roll critic, columnist in Santa Barbara. Um, and I had a political profile in GQ when I was like 25 that sort of broke the doors open. It's just like I've I've written about all sorts of things. I, I The only thing I've never really written about is sports. And I, much, much to my 12-year-old just... son's dismay. I, I know nothing. I have no interest. I can't even focus on, you know, a, a kid's basketball game sometimes, as my son would complain <laughs> to you. It's hard for me to focus on sports, so no, I doubt. Although if somebody said, would you want to write want to write about LeBron James. That would probably be super exciting. Yeah, somebody really wouldn't pass. Well, just somebody super iconic and powerful in the culture like that would be is always intriguing, you know. Or what he eats or what he if he cooks. Yeah, that could be cool too. That could be cool. <laughs> so, and then um I I wrote about music and movies mostly for many mm-hmm. years and um my I mean the the backstory of the food thing is my editor at uh Details magazine was Pete Wells. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, that's wow. basically the, the the link that through which this all happened. So at Details, I wrote about all sorts of things. I wrote about a guy who repaired broken sex dolls. I wrote about a mafia lawyer. I wrote about a, a group of like fight club, like rogue body surfers in Orange County, California. Um, I wrote about Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I wrote about um, a lot of, like a, a range of, of strange cultural topics right and um pete noticed he was and jessica lustig who's now at the new york times magazine she was also one of my editors but pete was the editor for the majority of these pieces including a piece about uh this polygamist radical polygamist compound in utah um where this guy warren jeffs had like 60 wives or some cra- it was a horrible crazy story and he was ex- expelling all these teen boys from the compound anyway when i was reporting that i remember calling pete from the road and I was going into the compound with a private investigator and all that. And, and I was like, he was like, how's it going? And I was like, Pete, you wouldn't believe it. But in Provo and in certain, you know, Mormon communities around Utah, they have this this thing that's basically like fresh mozzarella. It's these cheese curds. Uh, they, and he was like, wait a second. <laughs> Why are you telling him about this cheese that in, in, <laughs> when you're supposed to be reporting on this polygamous compound? I'm like, no, I am. I am. I'm just, I'm really interested in this cheese. You know, and then and then he sent me to Jerusalem for a different story, and I remember calling, and he was like, it was a very intense story about politics and religion and stuff. And he's like, what do you, you know, how's the piece coming along? I was like, well, Pete, you would not believe the hummus at the American Colony <laughs> Hotel. I mean, I sit in this courtyard, and I just dip my bread in this thing. I mean, we don't have hummus like this. And he was like, you know, so this kept happening. I went to... Memphis to write about a congressperson there, and all I could talk about was the barbecue. And so Pete was like, maybe you should be a food writer, you know? It's all you seem interested in. Um, and it, it was like a light went off. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And so I started writing about food at, at Details and, and for other publications. I wrote an essay about going to Masa, the sushi restaurant, with my brother. I've and, been there. I think that's yeah. the... And I don't think it is the most expensive meal I've, yeah. I've had and paid for myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, my brother picked up the tab. Thankfully, oh, he's in the finance good, world. Good for but you. Like I, so I wrote an essay <laughs> about how this meal had sort of brought us together and that got into the best food writing anthology. And so I, I thought there must be maybe I have a knack for this. And then when Pete went to The New York Times, eventually it took a while, um, but eventually he brought me over. And the idea was I do profiles of all the different chefs. Um, in the same way I'd profiled musicians and, you know, movie actors and poets and politicians. I'm, I seem to be, I have an aptitude for, for profiles, I guess. So that was part of the, the concept then. 
I'm I'm almost speechless because I had no idea that Pete Wells was yeah a this the the, I, the I, reason yeah I would I wouldn't be the, a food writer without yeah. Pete I wouldn't I wouldn't even have been doing it I, I would probably still be a you know pop culture writer. I just seemed like it seemed like where the cultural conversation yeah. was going. That was most interesting to me. I was aging out of being a music writer. I'd, I'd lost interest. I mean, I still listen to a lot of new music. If you go see my Instagram, I'm, I still buy CDs and I post about them a lot. Right. But I felt like I'd become culturally disconnected from a lot of a lot of it. The music that really resonates with you is often the music that you hear in your teens and your twenties mm-hmm. and your thirties and. Eventually, you sort of sail away. <laughs> that ship sails away, you know. And I wrote I, at one point. I was at Details, and the editor sent me to to a Jonas Brothers concert. It's like this boy band, you know. That I, I've heard of them. Have not yeah. been to one of their concerts. And I was so. like, I, I'm out. You know, what, what am I doing <laughs> here? You know, like this is foolish. And um, so I went back, and I was like, I think I'm done with the music. You know, I mean, and uh, and they, and and Pete and Dan, they said the one last one last rock and roll story. We're gonna send you to London to write about Oasis. So that was cool. Yeah. That was like my send-off. And um, actually at Esquire, I did a cover story on Pharrell, Pharrell Williams. That was pretty awesome to do. But um, it seemed like the cultural conversation, at least for me and for a lot of people in America, was moving into food. I mean, what what you eat, how you eat, where you eat, has become uh, significant in terms of your identity, your your cultural politics, how you express yourself, which teams you're on in a way. And I love that. I, I think in the 60s, People talk about music being this kind of lightning rod for politics and culture. Um, who you listen to sort of determined, you know, it said something about what you believed. I think that conversation really, you know, over the last decade or two has moved into food, you know, and, yeah, and it's absolutely. spurred in large part by, you know, from Dan Barber, Renee Redzepi, um, Dominique Crenn, so many different voices, you know. So um, that just, you know, if you're a journalist, you want to go where the, where, what, what people are talking about in the culture. Absolutely. So that's what led you to Esquire, an opportunity as food and drinks editor? Yeah, well, I was at the Times uh, working with, you know, the, at the food section for Sam and Patrick and Emily and all those folks over there. Like, yeah, you know. New York Times. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like Julia. Good understatement, yeah. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Julia and Melissa and Kim, I mean, they're like family to me. I, I love them. I love what they do. I'm just yeah, like, too. they're incredible people. So, um I got an opportunity to do this Renee Redzepi book. I got a deal from Tim Dugan Books at Crown. And I knew to do that, to do all the travel involved in it, I would have to probably at least temporarily part ways with the Times. And then at the same time, Jay Fieldin and Michael Haney from Esquire came to me. They were they were they they had just started uh, taking over the magazine and they were interested in bringing in a food and drinks person. So it was kind of serendipitous. Everything converged. So I got the book deal and the Esquire job like the same week. Uh, so that's when I left yeah. the Times. So it was a new position that they created? or um, I mean, it's essentially Josh Ozerski's position. Yeah. May he rest in peace. So the, that, that role had never been filled. Uh, you know, I'm sure David Granger was um, looking into it, but it, it, it had not happened. So they needed to fill that role. I mean, the Best New Restaurants franchise is a powerhouse for this magazine. It just is. I'm seeing this today. As soon as it went live, the number of comments and likes and texts and direct messages. I mean, it's amazing how much people react to it. I think they've been doing it like 30 years. And it's definitive for Esquire as a brand. You and know? John Mariani, too. Was, yeah. Well, that's when I became aware of it. I don't know who was doing it before yeah. him, if anyone was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. when I, I've been subscribing to Esquire since I was in college, I think. I don't think I ever lapsed, so I was probably reading it when they first did these lists. And um, it probably had an influence on how I eat and where I eat. You know, I mean, I I had my first Negroni cocktail because of Esquire. I remember in the 90s when I first moved to New York to work for Entertainment Weekly. I read about it in Esquire. It sounded like a cool cocktail. Now it's every it's everywhere, but it wasn't then. It was actually somewhat rare. It's still a cool cocktail. Well, it but always yeah. it's always yeah. cool, but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like mm-hmm. it wasn't as ubiquitous as right. it is now. So uh, Pete Bonventry, one of my, my editors at Entertainment Weekly, took me to Palio, if you remember that place, and we had Negronis together. And I was like, "Yep, this is my stuff. This is my cocktail. I loved it so much." So that was I think that was an influence of maybe it was David Wondrich. I don't know who wrote about it, but it was you know so. I always wanted to work for Esquire. It was a dream. It's a dream, <laughs> and you're fulfilling it. So let's take a little break, and we're going to come back, and we'll talk all about this list that came cool. out today. Cool. 
Okay. All right, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This program is brought to you by Jewel Sous Vide. My name is Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of HRN and a real-life Jewel user. When you cook with Jewel, there's zero guesswork. So steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, vegetables, and eggs all come out exactly the way you like them. The Paired app is intuitive to use and preloaded with all the recipes you'll need, and it has a great visual doneness guide. Jewel is awesome for holiday cooking. It's easy to cook for a crowd, and it's perfectly precise, so you can focus on entertaining without worrying about checking food temps, while Jewel does all the work. You can try out new cuts fearlessly. One of the best things I ever made sous vide was a juicy, tender heritage goose with juniper berries, and it was life-changing. And pro tip, Jewel is small and packs easily, so you can sneak it along on your holiday travels to be this season's food hero everywhere you go. With Jewel, you get perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash jewel and use code HRN, as in Heritage Radio Network, to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN. And happy holidays from all of us at Team HRN. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jeff Gordonier, the food and drinks editor for Esquire magazine. Their best new restaurants list came out today. I'm thrilled to have them in the studio. I'm going to kick off this part of the show with my question from my last guest. So last week I had on Joanne Wilson. Actually, it was two weeks ago because it was a Thanksgiving. But it was episode 197, and she is Gotham Gal Ventures, angel investor, blogger, podcaster. She's fantastic. So she wants to know, how do you go about finding those restaurants on your best list? Do you eat out every night? Do you go? How do you go about eating? Do you just have a normal meal? Do you... This is several questions. Yeah. I know, I know. Well, my guess... Start with I... the first one. Well, okay. How do you go about finding those restaurants on your list? Well, this may come as a surprise to your listening audience, but the budget is not unlimited at American magazines these days. So what? what... <laughs> come on. I know that's I, kind of a curveball, but no. I don't get hundreds of thousands of dollars. So um, I uh, have limited amount of money to spend, limited amount of time, and let's be honest, a limited uh, space in the human body. So what that means is I do not travel incessantly. Um, there are folks like Bill Addison, formerly of Eater, who are champions of that. And I mean, he's hard to beat. He's a road warrior. I, I don't necessarily have that ability or luxury. Um, I also have four children and I like to be home for them. You know, I love them. Yeah. I love my wife. I want to be home. When I can and go to piano recitals and basketball games and go on a date night and all that. So, but I still want to do a damn good job on this list if I can. So what it means is you do a lot of research, okay? You do a lot of due diligence. How you, do you do your research? The internet is helpful, I okay. won't lie. So you, you, you look at the blogs, you look at the local publications. Um, but I also talk to tons of people. I talk to tons of chefs, tons of local folks, local writers, like all the food media people are pretty, it's like a network, you know, or mafia or whatever. Like you talk to people, you talk to local people, Craig LeBan in Philly, I might email him what's going on. Um, also just people who love food, friends of mine. I got a lot of scouts, basically. Mm -hmm. My friend Jason Tesaro, if you see him at your restaurant, he writes for Esquire. He might just be scouting out for me. Sometimes I've got friends who travel around and, and they will report back. He reported back at Cel about Celeste looks like Celeste, but it's Celeste in the Boston area. He said this Peruvian Peruvian restaurant is a party. It's rocking. You got to go. I went there because of him. You know, so it's really about listening, mm -hmm. you know, and listening to all different kinds of people with different stories and making sure that your ears are open to everybody's stories. You know, I drive my friends crazy. And you can ask Jeremy and Fabian Toback in L.A. because I, I eat out with them a lot there. And I will make plans. I will email them the plans. As soon as my plane lands, the plans are changing. I, I talk, talk to people. 
They'll say that restaurant actually sucks. There's some bad news about the chef. You never know. It could be something problematic. And you say, yeah, you know, maybe we'll go somewhere else. So the plans will suddenly shift. And in L.A., that's a problem because instead of going to Malibu, now they're going to the San Fernando Valley and the drive is totally (laughs) different. Um, So, I mean, San Antonio, um, I remember hitting hitting San Antonio. And for some reason, I went to this kind of food court and started talking to a lot of the local folks. And uh, their recommendations and tips were very, very useful. So um, you make as many trips as you can. What happens a lot, though, is because of the timing. Let's say I was writing about records, music, bands. I could just get the record, right? Writing about film, you just go see the film. A restaurant, you have to go to it. But I, you know, so I was in San Francisco in January to write for Big Black Book, one of the Esquire publications about the San Francisco Michelin star tasting menu scene. January was too early. So I went to a bunch of places then, but then in, I guess, September, I told my editors, I have to go back. I mean, it's all these Angler, Kefiko, uh, all these places have opened and I didn't get to go to them before. So it's a major, it's arguably the major city in American food right now. So I got to go back. So you, same New Orleans. I was like, I got to hit New Orleans. So you kind of beg. <laughs> I will say that in New Orleans, I, and he can confirm, I stayed with my friend Pablo Johnson, a journalist there in San Francisco. My friend Omar Mamoon, who's a writer, um, just basically let me stay in his apartment, you know, which was super nice. So to save money that way, more than you want to know. But it's it, it kind of helps explain how we do this. You, you, you kind of when I'm in Southern California, I stay with my parents, you know. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not staying in luxury hotels or anything. I, I, I try to do it lean and fast and and, uh, you know, but with a lot of passion. Oh, here's a good story. When I hit Dallas. This is the way social media is useful. On Instagram, somebody messaged me on Instagram. You're in Dallas. You're a fool if you don't go to Petra and the Beast. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what that was. I didn't. I had other places on, you know, on my right. map. And um, I saw it was open for lunch. I was like, hell, let's go. Let's hit Petra and the Beast. Turns out it's the chef Misty Norris doing absolutely delicious trailblazing food in probably the coolest restaurant space I've been to since this one. Roberta's, you know, places decorated with skulls and anime and she's cranking like Rage Against the Machine and um, making this incredible, like almost Cajun new Nordic food with fermented components and fried components. And um, it's all all of of it sort of these little paper boats, like where you get chili cheese fries, you know, so super casual, but. I would say one of the most pioneering chefs in America, Misty Norris. Like, you're going to hear a lot about this person. And I was so grateful to this individual on Instagram for telling me. I don't know who it was. I actually don't. It was just like an individual who follows me. And um, so I try to listen, you know, because people are not stupid. You know, like, I I don't think of myself as some, you know, godlike authority. I'm, I'm more just a sponge who hits the city and tries to figure out to make the most of my time and my money. You know, and do the best for our readers. And that's smart. I mean, I, I feel I I listen to industry friends and I definitely that's how I figure out where to go. And I'm one of those. Well, I love I love to try restaurants. I was in L.A. last November and it's been over a year and yeah. I feel I have to go back because there's so much happened. And I know on your list you have Bavel, which I haven't been yeah. to, but I have been to Bestia. Yeah. So I was feeling a little good about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I mean, Bavel was a no brainer. To me. Yeah. That was so it was so fantastic. You know, I went with a big group of people. We ordered almost the whole menu and I just it was it, it, you know, a big thing for me is focus. I learned it's like the sense of vision. Let's say you saw a movie and you just know that the director is Wes Anderson or Kimberly Pierce or something. You just know that the director's voice and presence is there. The sense of vision. It's the same with restaurants. Bavel just seemed like a perfectly thought out, creative, but accessible film. And I felt the same way about Missy Robbins' new restaurant, because it, it's like she's pared down the menu just to exactly what you want to eat. It's, you, you feel the sense of uh, it's intellectually and soulfully right. The, the restaurants I maybe didn't connect with, I might have liked them, but didn't have that experience with, were kind of muddled. You know, you'd feel like you're watching seven films at once. You didn't, you felt like this part of the menu didn't click with this part of the menu. And this dish didn't really go with this dish. And they're maybe trying too much. They're, tr- they're trying too many things at once, you know. Right. And you have, I mean, 
it's a it's a very diverse list. There's all different styles of cuisines. Yeah, I, there's a few. I've I mean I've been to Del Mar in Washington D.C. and yeah. I loved it. Oh, cool. And the ones in New York, I mean, Automix, I went to, and I thought it was. It's special. I mean, what yes. they're doing is uh, it's it's so it was so thoughtful and caring. And I, I mean, I I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me of why why you picked it. I just I was I write about it. I was I was like reeling after Automix. I I was floored by it. Yeah. I, I think he, JP is a major talent in American food. I mean, this is a person we're gonna be reading about for years. He's a major force. I, and I, yeah. I, I liked Attaboy, his first place. You know, I thought it was, it was fun and, and delicious, um, sort of all based on Banchan and everything. But Atomix is a, such a leap forward, such a leap up that I couldn't even have envisioned it. Um, so, and it, that's another example of perfect vision. I mean, he and Elia Park, his mm-hmm. partner, you know, they have, as you know, they give you these little cards that explain yeah, every dish. Yeah, they're, it's, it's And they're it's like, like works like of whole, art. It's like theater. The yeah. whole experience. I mean, it's and yeah. it's it's this epic poem about Korea. You know, it's their love letter to Korea, and and it's introducing you to ingredients, forms of cooking, uh, parts of the the Korean story that you may not know about. You know, if if your your jam is just Korean barbecue or something like this is this is a much much deeper connection to the culture, much broader, and it's just so beautiful. I was really moved by it. I mean, I get emotional about that restaurant, like. Um, and there were also dishes that there was there was this caviar dish with like this kind of kind of cream, almost like a pudding. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get rid of that soon because we change the menu every season." I was like, "No, <laughs> no, do don't get rid of this. It's the most delicious thing I ever ate." You know? Yeah. So that's like that's like Missy's uh, roasted tomatoes, which were seasonal, oh. but like, no one wanted her to take her to take those off the menu. Yeah, yeah. I'll spill the beans and be honest here. I texted Pete. Wells, which I, you know, we're friends. And, you as know I said. Him, and I, and I was like, these tomatoes at Mesa are not going to be around forever because of the season. So whatever you get in line, <laughs> go early. You have to have these tomatoes. I know I'm being nudge, but you seriously to understand this restaurant need to have this dish. It's one of the most delicious things, I, vegetable things I've ever had. Yeah, me too. And I don't even get it in a way. It's so simple. I don't quite know how it worked, you know? Um, I'm friendly with her, and she told me it was a last-minute sort of addition wow. to the menu, like the night before she pulled it together, and she oh, had no wow. idea it was going to be such a huge hit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, let's like, raise a toast to the last <laughs> minute. I mean, my number 19, this list is supposed to be 18 restaurants. My number 19 is kind of a last minute because it's Carinderia, which is a Filipino restaurant in Nyack. Which I wasn't familiar with No, I, I, I assure you. Probably no one from the, <laughs> the, the 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 core food world has been to this. Although I told a lot of people about it, um, Ligaya at the Times is a friend. I told a lot of people about it, so people may have eaten there now. But um, my wife had a friend in L.A. who told her there's a great, great Filipino restaurant across the river from you because we live in Westchester County, across the river in Nyack. And I didn't entirely believe that. You know, I was like happy to eat there, happy to support these folks. I don't know what it's going to. Be, you know, mm-hmm. it's just something to do on a weekend, really. Go, go kind of, you know, dash around Nyack. <laughs> That's how we have our fun. And um, <laughs> it turned out to be so delicious, just and so welcoming. Um, Cheryl and Paolo, who run it, they just sort of like we went in with the baby twins and they instantly made us feel at home. They, they, they just had this, it was calm, it was very family friendly. Every single dish was ridiculously good. And then I, I told Lauren, I gotta, I gotta come back just to make sure because I got an idea about this. And I came back with my older kids too. And Margot and Toby, my olders, they were they were they were flipping out over this food, you know. Wow. And so I was I like, go. I mean, I I, I like Lhasa in Los Angeles, the Filipino restaurant as well. Yeah. Um, the Fil- Filipino food movement is something you see. You know, a hashtag. This is a incredibly cool, interesting growth sector in terms of uh, what people are learning about, American uh, eating public is learning about now. And and one of the things I liked about Carinderi is it represents sort of a next wave, the idea that a Filipino restaurant of this quality wouldn't necessarily be in Los Angeles um, proper or in uh, Brooklyn or something. It could be in the suburbs, you know. That would be a wonderful thing to see, that development, because, you know, it's all part of the process of education. Right. So you also have... Can I have a piece of pizza? Or yes. You, oh, okay. I'll, 
Yes, we have we have Roberta's Am here, and it's you're allowed. This is a a, a pizza eating cool. podcast. I show, haven't eaten all day. Which 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 <laughs> actually people listening are probably like, how is he not eating all day? It's the life of a food but, writer with. But four he's kids. publicizing. <laughs> he's working. He's working. This so, pizza's good. So. You have Chef of the Year as Missy Robbins, which is amazing, who we've mentioned. Pastry Chef of the Year, Genevieve Jurgis Jer- yeah. of Bavel. And Rising Star Chef, uh, Christina Nugin of High Quinn. High yeah. Quinn in Minneapolis. So, yeah, High High. So you have, and it's amazing, you have these other, these other accolades. And so how did you... Is this an? Have you always? Is the magazine always has these these um, titles? And as a men's magazine, did hmm. gender at all come into play when you're at all in in any of your decisions? I was just being I curious just, about that. I just that. picked who deserved it. Okay, you know? there you go. I mean, Missy seems like the most. She just. It's not just that she's a great cook and a great leader of the kitchen. It's like what she, the way she's cooking right now, that pared down menu seems to represent some sort of remedy for the craziness we're living through. It almost seems like a spiritual act to me. She's just, hers is the food I want to eat all the time right now. I just think she deserved it. I think her path is really beautiful, like her path toward health. And, yeah. You know. Um, the uh, Christina Gwen at High High, this is a really interesting story to your, to your point about how we put together the list because... Um, one of the people I emailed in Minneapolis at Lauren's suggestion, my wife's suggestion, because I'm not this brave, was Andrew Zimmern, because he lives in Minneapolis, right? Yes. And she was like, you should just have dinner with him. I was like, wow, he's like a famous star. I mean, I'm not going to like, oh, you want to have dinner with me? I don't, I don't really do that. But, she, you know, she she was right. <laughs> so the first we did have dinner together, but we somewhere else. But the first thing he said to me is like, you know, basically, like, I'm, I don't even want to talk to you unless you're going to high high. To his credit, yeah, he's the guy who told me to go there. Many other people did after, but he's the first. He's like, literally, like, you're wasting your time if you don't go to this restaurant. It's super significant and beautiful, and Christina is blazing a whole new path. So I got off the plane and went directly there, basically, and loved it. And I, I, I write about this. I thought, who is, who is Christina? I mean, I, 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 another, I don't, not aware of her. So I started Googling her, and I thought, well, she probably staged at Noma. You know, <laughs> maybe she worked here at Blanca in Brooklyn. I don't know. No, she she re- did an an arepa truck in uh, in Minneapolis. That's where she started. Fantastic. She's totally coming from the streets. Like you know, yeah. her cooking is just real and heartfelt. And uh, so that was that was exciting. It was ex- it was also really dank time of year. It might have been winter when I went there. And this true story, I was standing on the corner outside High High, and a truck went by and splashed all this dirty slush all over me from head to toe. I mean, it was sticky in my hair. My shoes were ruined, and it was horrible. It was so cold out. It's Minneapolis. But I was cool with it because this restaurant had been so good. Amazing. You know what I mean? I was like, it's <laughs> all good. You're not ruining my day. Fine. That restaurant <laughs> rocked. You know, so like that's what you're going for. You have these experiences that are kind of duds, mm-hmm. honestly. And you're just like, why did I travel for this? But you have these experiences that are ecstatic, too, where you just, you really fall in love. With, I'm really going for that feeling of like I fell in love with the restaurant. And the sunniness of High High, the food, but also the colors of the of the actual building, the lighting and the and the brightness of the place was like this antidote to the grayness of Minneapolis at that time of year. But Minneapolis is extremely exciting. I mean, there's we our beverage director of the year, Marco Zappia, is from Martina there. Our res- restaurant resurrection of the year is um, Grand Cafe, run by Chef Jamie Malone. She's doing some of the best French food in in America. So. You know, I think a lot of like people have asked me why there's so much Minneapolis and Detroit. It's because that's where the excitement is because it's more affordable to run a restaurant there. And Dallas too, Petra and the Beast. Yeah. It's because people like Misty Norris or um uh, you know, Kate Williams at, at Lady in the House in Detroit, they 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 can do the the, the whole vision of what they want to do with a restaurant and still make money. Where they probably couldn't do it in New York now. You know? Yeah. It's just not cost effective. 
Well, your list is fantastic. The oh, only thanks. problem I have with it is it just I just I, I, I want to get on the plane now and travel oh, cool. and go. It's as much as I travel. I feel there's I haven't been to Minneapolis. It's I have more reasons to go now. Is there anything you wish was on there? No, I'm not going to. No. Oh, good. No, no. I love your list. <laughs> I'm not going to trap me with that. I feel bad because you can't include everyone. I mean, if no, you it, notice, there's a tie at number 17 of Don Angie and Kay Fico. And it's a little bit goofy that I did that. But I'm basically an enthusiast and I'm trying to squeeze in as many restaurants that I love as I can. There's some that didn't make it because... You run out of space, and you can't, you can't have thirty restaurants. So no, and and it's kind I kind of a heartbreaker. Cafico, I I I met the chefs uh, at the uh, Bon Appetit hot party. They were on in, in that list. They were so I'm dying yeah. to go there. That's and, the only overlap with the Bon Appetit. Oh really? List. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I feel there were yeah. Your list. You you brought my attention to many restaurants I haven't heard of and um don angie i've been to i went solo i sat at the bar because i felt oh. that was the only way to get in that yeah. place is impossible to get into and i loved it and I, yeah. I i tell people all the time i felt like it was sort of a under the radar italian restaurant opening but doing such amazing food so i was happy it made your list and i'm i'm good with a tie too yeah <laughs> so. i mean what's happening with italian american food over the last five ten years you know obviously the torizi guys carbone and everything but also polisi social club in Philadelphia and Don Angie. Yeah. It's really cool and exciting to see people interpreting the history of that cuisine in different ways, telling that story almost like a novel from different vantage points. Um, I just, I just, you know, I was just happy at Don Angie. What can I say? It's a happy place. <laughs> okay, so let's take another break. We're going to come back and play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jeff Gordonier. It's time for the speed round game of my show. Are you ready? I'm now in my fifth slice of pizza, so I'm probably a little slow. We're going to be a little <laughs> lethargic. <laughs> well, let's see if we can we can go fast through this. It's a, I give you choices such as chocolate or vanilla, oh, and you pick okay. your preference. Yeah, that's cool. You pick your preference. Chocolate. Chocolate. Fantastic. We're in agreement on that one. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Why? All the time. All the time. <laughs> Even <Why>? bring the babies. <laughs> Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Sake. Fantastic. That's a first. Love. I love Definitely. this game. It's usually what I want. Sake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? An orderly procession from small plates to large plates. It's beautiful. Communal table or chef's counter? I'm going to throw a curveball and say that weirdly, in spite of my hermit, hermit-like tendencies, I do like a communal table. 
Okay. I, I do. I like to hear what people are saying, particularly if I'm eating alone, which I sometimes do in a city. Like to just kind of, I did this at Tartine Manufactory in last year's list. I just sat with a group of women who were there for like a, a you know, a friendly lunch. And I, I, there was one extra seat and I sat with them. And we had this great conversation about all the dishes. It really illuminated to me how people respond to the food. So Smart. It's good research. Yeah. And, and, you, may, and you make friends. Yeah, I just said goodbye <laughs> at the end, but I did, I did, I did, it, it helped me understand why that, that restaurant worked. You yeah. Know? So, cause I, like I, to eat alone is, is beautiful. It's a blessing and a gift, but it can be kind of abstracted and, and removed from understanding the food. Some of the best meals I had, you know, were with, with a lot of people. Um, Bavel in Los Angeles, I think we had six people. Um, Jeremy and Fabian Toback, my daughter Margot, uh, Karis Jagger, who's a friend of mine, somebody else too. And, it, and then so the, everybody wants to order different things and they all, you know, yeah. respond to everything differently. My sister, my, uh, my sister, my daughter Margot had never had foie gras, so she had the foie gras uh, halva they had there. And she's like, Daddy, foie gras is good. <laughs> you know, so anyway, that's a long answer for your speed round. Sorry. That's okay. I'll let you take a bite. That's <laughs> fine. Okay, we got a few more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I'm a profligate tipper. I mean, granted, yeah. I'm not often paying, so I, I, <laughs> I apologize, Jay Fielden. I'm spreading the wealth, but I mean, I, 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 I like, I love support the industry. Yeah, I love to support people. Look, people are working hard. I really mean this. I mean, and sometimes I'm on a plane. I'm tired. I get off the plane, and you know, this happened at Bar Cran. The service. At Bar Cran in San Francisco was just so delightful and attentive, and I was exhausted and I was starving. Um, you know, so yeah, I want to I want to take care of people with a tip. What about writing articles or writing books? <clears throat> Going for a walk. <laughs> I don't like writing. I mean, I do people like writing. I mean, it's not something I like doing. It's just something I seem to be saddled to at this point. It's, but it's amazing because I write here and there on the side a little about solo diving and travel, and I I think writing is hard. And I whenever I talk to writers, like full time writers, they say writing is hard too. So yeah. I always feel well, I'm in good company. But yeah, it's miserable. Yeah. I write a lot on planes. I write. I write by hand. Yeah. Literally by Plans hand. Are good for writing. Yeah, but I mean, I don't mean I, I literally write literally in a, write in a it notepad. Out. Yeah. Okay. And um, then I then I transfer it to my laptop. I wrote my whole book that way, much to my editor's. What do you scan <laughs> it on? What do you do? Um, you I just I, then type it. Yeah. Then I type okay. it, and the revision part of the revision process is then when I type it. So the first draft is this oh, kind so of automatic writing. Yeah. So it's the first draft is like almost like beat poetry, just rambling on a plane. And and the planes are great because then I'm sort of trapped. Yeah. And and, and so the Wi-Fi never works for me, so I'm stuck and I have to write. So I, almost all the entries of best new restaurants I wrote on planes, and then um, when I'm typing them in, I kind of refine them. And then, I mean, I always wish I could go through seven more edits to make it smarter, but. No, you're good. You're good. Luxury. Okay, three more. The new Noma or the original Noma? The new Noma. If you know Renee, you know there's no other answer. Yeah. Well, this is a man who I needs to move forward. So, I mean, if it, to to suggest that it w the answer is the old Noma would be counter to the very principles of Noma, counter to the very energy of Noma. Yeah. Well, which is always I'm sorry. Moving. I take. I, well, it's, do you like it's, the old Noma? I've I, I've only I've dined now at the new Noma recently, and I went to the the old Noma when as bar. Oh yeah. And I had a great experience at bar. Oh. So from so I I I like them both. If I, I love you know. restaurant bar. But the new one yeah. is gorgeous, the new Noma. And, the old, yeah, bar is fantastic. I'm grateful to Restaurant Bar in part because I took my 12-year-old son to Copenhagen this spring, partly because I had to finish up research on the book and visit the new Noma and everything, and uh, Toby was going to be stuck at home during a spring break watching TV. And it just, I found a cheap ticket and brought him along, and it was one of the best things I ever did. We got to just hang yeah. out for a week in Copenhagen. And one of the first restaurants we went to was bar, maybe the first night. And uh, he had never eaten... Uh, you know, steak tartare, and he saw me <laughs> wolfing it down, and he was like, "What? Well, you know, maybe I'll have a bite, Dad. And I was like, right on. Guess what? I did not get that steak tartare back. There you go. He absconded with it. He, <laughs> he, he inhaled it. It was, he, it was great to see. So I'm, I, I thought, I think 
restaurant bar in Copenhagen, if it were here in New York, would be like a huge hit. It would be like a three-star restaurant. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. And I I went in not, I guess, you know, expectations can be interesting. Yeah. And I didn't have any going (laughs) in. So I, maybe it even blew me away more. I, well, I figured it would be, it would be good, but it was, it was even better. Yeah. So, okay. Did you go to Sanchez? Yes. I happened to do two, I went to Copenhagen a year ago just to go. And then I went back for the MAD conference this year. So I, that's when I went to Noma, but so and and Sanchez and 108 and yeah. I feel I have a good feel for Copenhagen. Yeah, I, I mean there's it's it's an amazing it's amazing restaurant food city yeah. and I, I love Copenhagen just in itself. It's beautiful. Yeah, totally. I love biking around Copenhagen. Totally. My son Toby got me on a bike. I'd never done that before in it's, all my trips. It's fun. It's very different than biking in Manhattan. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Oh, cheese plate, definitely. I'm one of those. I'm one of those annoying guys that the pastry chefs all hate, who says it doesn't like sweets. I'm sorry. There are those among the food writing horde like me, who are like, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not really a dessert guy. I, I, I that's the truth. But, but you can, obviously, you with can Genevieve, recognize yeah, a good Genevieve at Bavel, okay. I mean, I had many, many at Adamix, this incredible yeah, right. rice pudding. But um, yeah, I recognize it and and appreciate it. Um, it just. I, I do, I do like cheese. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Manhattan or Brooklyn is my last one. The Bronx. Alrighty. That's what I live near. I don't live anywhere near Brooklyn. I live north of the city, so the Bronx is closer to me, and I think the Bronx rocks. I'm I'm happy to, that you're giving the Bronx a shout out. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, they do indeed. Okay, so that is the game. Industry news, we'll just talk about one article. The New York Post, they, they a few people cover this, but in the New York, uh, not the New York Post, sorry, the Washington Post, Jose Andres is nominated for the 2019 Nobel Peace Prize, Congressman Confirms, and this was by Tim Carmen. Yeah. So we're talking about how Jose Andres is nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, which is amazing. I mean, he's he's established the World Central Kitchen uh, eight years ago, and he said he served over three million meals in Puerto Rico after mm. Hurricane Maria, uh, and he's he's I'm I'm in awe of everything he's doing. So yeah. it's amazing that he's being recognized. Yeah, and he can cook like hell too. He's an amazing <laughs> cook. I mean, he's a beautiful man. He is. Are you kidding me, Jose? Come on, he's one of the, he's one of the greats. And I mean, I thought that just from his cooking, and then to see everything he's done over the last couple of years. Um, can I tell you something? Yes. This would be a fun little coda. And I don't think I have this scene in my book, but I need to. Uh, Lauren and I were in Copenhagen during one of the mad symposia, symposi, symposiums. Symposiums? Yeah. Sympo- I don't know oh, how they pluralize oh, that. you're but the writer. I should I don't know. You. I don't know. My daughter's studying the classics. She could tell me. Um, and we, there was, this was uh, two years ago, I guess, and we were walking down one of the streets and we saw Jose with Jacques Pepin, arm in arm, maybe a couple of drinks in them, hitting bars together. And I was so moved by this. Fantastic. Yes. I was like, Jose Andres and Jacques Pepin in the streets of Copenhagen, they were like singing together. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. This is these great guys, you know, who've done so much for our appreciation of food and so much for the country. Both immigrants, you know, both transformative people in American food. I was just, I'm, I'm choked up thinking about it. I, it has nothing to do with your question, but it was a cool thing. No, it was a very <laughs> cool thing. And now I feel I'm going to share a story because yeah. two years ago at South Beach Wine and Food Festival, it always falls over my birthday. Oh. And at the SLS Hotel. Jose's, Are you Aquarius then? I'm a Pisces. Oh. Very there Very beginning of Pisces. So so I'm there. It's an after party at Jose's restaurant and hotel. And I'm with Kat Kinsman, actually. Oh, yeah. And and to come in and Kat says to Jose, uh, it's Sherry's birthday. And I was like, happy birthday. So not thinking anything more of it, 10 minutes later, 
waiters come out from behind, you know, from the restaurant with a cake with a candle in wow. it. Wow. And Jose leads the party, the after party, to sing happy birthday to me. Oh, wow. I was, nice. I'm still blown away. Yeah. Uh, and that's who he is. Yeah. You know, he's, 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 a, he's that loving, caring guy who goes that extra mile to make someone feel good. Yeah. You know, he has, Jose has something that Renee Redzebi has, that Dominique Crenn has, Gabriel Hamilton has. Certain people I've, you know, gotten to know in the food world, which is that when they're talking to you, they're only talking to you. They're looking you in the eye, Mm -hmm. they're focused on you. And you don't know how that's possible when you think about all the distractions, all the storms of demands going on in their lives. But somehow, when Jose's talking to you, I mean, his phone is off and he's just listening to you. And I mean, he really, I don't know, I sound like I'm venerating, you know, it's, it's, he really cares about people. He really does. So, so very there happy for him. Well deserved. Yeah. He better win. He better win. <laughs> if he doesn't win now, well, people are going to be so mad. Yeah, I think we'll get it. Okay, we're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do my solo dining experience, and we'll have the final question. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, when you told me I should breathe out to go easy, it's just me now Everything fell right, out of place I never felt so far away Fear that I'm living my predictions That I'll have another vision That something perfect could slip away Quickly and without a trace Quickly and without a trace these moments are young, you'll forget each one so fast. The feeling to run, all the classic ones don't last. No, you don't need your muscle memory. You don't need a wonder, can we? You don't need a tense up or move away. Trust me, this is not the same. Mm, is there room for what? Welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at some... I'm apologizing in advance for my pronunciation, but it's at Hutrere Regess. Here's the rundown. The location, 3 Rue Montfunco in the sixth arrondissement in Paris, France. The concept, an oyster bar serving oysters from Marine Oleron. Why did I go? Because I heard this place had amazing oysters, and I was recently in Paris. So my experience. So they don't take reservations. I walked by this place. It was packed. I it was a little cold outside, but they said I could maybe sit outside, but no one else was. And so I wasn't sure if I was going to stay or not because there were no seats. And then the lovely owner hostess said, well, I could stand up front by this little bar in front of the oyster shucker and just eat right there. And so I thought about it for a second. I said, why not? I'm staying. So I got comfortable and I started having some delicious oysters. So what did I get? Though the minimum order at this place is a dozen oysters a person. So I had a dozen Fiennes de Clairs, they're Yves Papin oysters, which are described as salty oysters rich in water. I had a mignette sauce on the side and actually the owner and someone else standing up at the bar started sharing their sparkling water with, with me, which was very nice. So my take. Plumpy, salt, fresh, absolutely fabulous oysters. The ambiance. So it's a tiny spot. It's bright. It has storefront windows and this little counter. And I I mean, I was watching. I was right in front of the, the oyster shucker. I think he probably shucked a thousand oysters as I was standing there. It was unbelievable. Um, everyone's eating oysters and it's the place to go. So it's perfect for that if you're in Paris and maybe want a break from all the amazing French cuisine, which I had a lot of, have some oysters. So interesting tidbit. They also have scallops, pate, duck foie gras, and salami and cheese and apple tart on the menu. That's the whole menu. Um, And I also forgot to mention I had an espresso after my oysters. So personal fun fact, 
This was my pre-dinner. I then walked across town over to Le Ami Jean, and I had a late-night dinner, and that place was super fun. Highly recommend it. So the cost of my meal was $37. That's converted into U.S. and including everything. Would I go back? Absolutely. The website's hutrerit-regis.com. Have you heard of this place? No. Should I spell it? H-U-I-T-R-E-R-I-E and then Regis. It's it's sounds cool. It's worth going to, and yeah. it's it's tiny. I like that. So um, places that specialize in oysters should be tiny. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking. I mean, it could work, or in New York. I mean, they're really all they're doing is oysters. Very limited menu. Yeah. Um, but fact that real estate here is is hard to get, and I was thinking this could work if if somebody did it. Yeah. Just I would oysters. like the restaurant that specialized in oysters that had two seats. <laughs> one, that would be my perfect restaurant. One for you restaurant. and one for Lauren. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Lots of sake and oysters. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> okay, so let's let's do the final question. Next week, my guest is Jordan Salcito. She's oh. small, you know, she is. She's yeah, small, yay, cool. founder and CEO of Ramona. I'm the warm-up act. <laughs> for 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 yeah. Jordan, well, yeah, well, yeah, She's a Jordan. Star. She, you're a star. She's a star. I only have stars in my show. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, okay, so Jeff, what would you like to ask Jordan? Oh, I see how this works. Mm. Question to question, yeah. Show what to show. can American restaurants do better now? That's a big question. That's uh, what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jordan. No, I'm <laughs> you, can, sure, you might, well, might sure want to tell her in advance. <laughs> I, I, I will, but no. She's she's a smart lady, and I yeah. bet she'll have a great answer. I bet, yeah. I think a lot of people are talking about that, obviously, in, in all different ways. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a positive way of thinking about changes that need to happen. Yeah. Well, great. Okay, so I wish we had another hour or two. But we don't. don't. Come back. Can <laughs> I come back do. when the book comes out? That would be awesome. Sure. Okay. When's it supposed to come out? July. Oh, soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a busy year, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I would love to have you back. So, um, congratulations on your outstanding career. Oh, everything thanks, you've done. Uh, Not you know, everything. I'm, I'm, I'm me. a fan. Of, <laughs> Well, everything I know of and everything I learned in the show. And your list is is wonderful. I think people people can get the magazine. This is the December issue that's out. It's pretty now. much out now. I mean, it, it comes out December 4th, I guess. Okay. But a lot of people are finding it around New York at Grand Central and Penn Station and stuff. So much so that we were a little concerned there's going to be a lot of leaks on this list. So um, you could probably find it. Friends of mine are finding it at airports, uh, yeah. so and t- sending me pictures. You can find it. You could also go to their website. You can Esquire. also Google com. it. Yeah. And so, thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Sherry. Thanks a lot. So, my guest today has been Jeff Gordonier. He's the food and drinks editor for Esquire. As we said, their best new restaurants list in America is out. Go get a copy. You can follow him at the Gordonier on Instagram, or that's on Twitter. Right? No, that's Instagram. that's Instagram. I don't do Twitter that much. All it's, right. It's, it's scary to me. I, I, I just, I love the gram and Facebook. You're good at the gram, so follow him, <laughs> the Gordonaire. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And our Heritage Radio Network Winter Gala is this coming Monday, December 3rd. It's at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And uh, if you want to get a discount on that, you can use the code all in the industry, one word all together, and you'll get 10% off. So you can go to Heritage Radio Network's website and get tickets there. I'll be there. It should be a lot of fun. So thanks again to Jeff. Thanks to Nathan Christopher of Hearst Magazines for uh, helping me set things up. And thanks to my engineer, Noam. I'm Sherry Bayer. And I'll thanks be back. for the pizza. And thanks for Roberta's and the pizza. I forgot that one. Um, I'll be back next week for another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. Thanks for being part of the industry. Bye. Everybody gets blown down, but keep your head up.
for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.